If you'll take your Bibles, please, and turn to Psalm 42. This is a message in the series, Summer in the Psalms. We did it last year, and so I'd like to do it every year, just a, just a one or two times, and just look at the Psalms. There's 150 of them, so we'll be here for the rest of our lives before we pass through them all. But um, I've chosen one, actually two. This is Psalm 42 and 43. Psalm 42 and 43 is the same psalm. It's the same song because it has the same refrain. It's really just three verses of a song that has the same chorus uh, to it together. All right, so we're going to read both chapters. This is Psalm 42 and get all the way through and then read all of Psalm 43. Not as long as you think it is. This is God's word. As the heart pants after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say, say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude, and I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. <coughs> why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O oh my God, my soul is cast. Hope thou in God, for I will yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and the Hermonites and the Hilmizar. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, and my prayer unto God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of this oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me, while they daily say unto me, where is thy God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against the ungodly nation. O deliver me from a deceitful and unjust man. For thou art the God of my strength, why dost thou cast me off? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Oh, send out thy light and thy truth and let them lead me. Let them bring me into thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. Then will I go into the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O oh God, my God. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Why are you disquiet within me? Hope in God, 
for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. May God add his blessing to the public reading of his words. You have to remember the book of Psalms is the hymn book. This is the hymn book of Israel. And there there isn't an emotion that you've ever had or you will ever have that's not here. And the last time we did a message from the Psalms, we did Psalm 19. And if you remember Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. Everywhere you look, it shows that God is amazing, that his creative power enough is enough to dazzle you. And then the whole middle of that section was about the sun. And that the sun is like, like a runner, like a high school athlete that's, that comes out of the locker room and ready to run a race knowing that he's going to win. That the sun blazes in the sky and everything else hides. You put on a hat. If you're like me, don't go out in the sun without a hat. Because it's, it's, he's going to have his way. It's going to shine in your face. Well, not every psalm is like that. Because not every emotion is like that. I'm not like that all the time. I'm not like that all the time. I'm not like, oh, hallelujah, God, you're wonderful. I don't have trust all the time. I don't behave well all the time. I am me. And God did not choose me because I was good enough. He met me where I was. And these songs allow me to sing what I really feel, not what I should feel, not what I would feel if I were better but what I actually am. And there are some psalms that are dark, dark, dark because people live there. That's where people actually are. And God allows you to go into his presence. So there's nothing that, there's nothing that we are that's not here. You can live in front of your life, in, in front of your God, when your heart is bursting with joy. You can live in front of your God when you're grateful and when you're proud and when you've done right and you can live in front of your God when you've blown it and you can live in front of your God when you're not good enough and other people are good enough and you're not. You can live in front of your God when you have did your devotions and prayed and witnessed and all the stuff you're supposed to do and you can live in front of your God when you're a a little rascal. Because that's who we are. And God came to us. We did not scrape ourselves to God. We didn't crawl up to God. We didn't build a Tower of Babel to get to God and then called it a religion. The Christian faith is that God saw us in our misery and our need and came to us. And if that's where you are, that's where you live. Now, I don't think that you should live there for the rest of your life. But there will be times that you can't get out of the dark. You can't. So what God has done is he's allowed you these so that you can properly be where you are. You can properly be mad as a hornet properly without being a sinner. That you could properly be heartbroken. You could properly be in the dark. I just think that it provides a language for believers to express everything they actually are so that you can be honest before a God who requires honesty.
And I just think that is a beautiful thing. And I don't know about you, but this is usually where I turn. If I'm going to read the Bible, I normally go to a psalm. Usually because it's <clears throat> small enough that I can kind of contain my thoughts in a, in a small space. But also it, because it does, it's everywhere. It's everything that I actually am. Uh, Jesus quotes one of these dark psalms when he's on the cross. He quotes directly from the first verse of Psalm 22, which says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, Jesus, on, at that moment, <clears throat> was actually being forsaken. God was, in real time, forsaking him. And Jesus quotes that, written by a man whom God actually never really did forsake. But he felt like it. He felt like God had forsaken him. He felt like God had forgotten him. He felt like other people were doing what God wanted them to do and were going to his glory and that I was just sitting here and that God had forgotten all about me or that God hates my guts. I just want you to know that God is okay with who we actually are, but he uses his word to instruct us. And he uses the gospel that we've been exposed to so that the part of us that is, that is his can instruct the rest of this clay that will one day see his face in glory. So we teach ourselves, we preach to ourselves, and you can see this guy, this psalmist, preaching to himself all the way through. He is grabbing himself by the collar and he's looking directly into his face and he's telling himself the truth because right now, emotionally, he can't deal with it. He can't be where God wants him to be, so he has to be where he is. So he is preaching the gospel to himself that he might be cured from it. So this, I'm, I'm coming into this message <clears throat> with trepidation and fear because I'm not up to this. But I want to look at the topic of spiritual depression that there is times when you are lonely, when you feel hopeless, when you feel dry as bone, when you remember the times when you were close to the Lord as though it was another lifetime or a different person. And you remember, and you, there's guilt, of course, associated with it, of somehow God hasn't moved and I must have moved and where is it? Why don't I care? And why don't I feel it? Why am I not thrilled? Why, why am I not happy? And it, I just want to say, first of all, there's a difference between spiritual depression, which has to do with your soul. It has to do with your God. It has to do with your confidence. It has to do with the fact of, I'm only here for a short breath of time, and I will be eternity somewhere, and I'm afraid for my soul. I'm afraid because I have been taught that I should be different. If God were, were real in my life, I should be different than I am. And I feel dry and I feel dead and I feel like I'm fraudulent. I feel like I'm a fake. And God is taking us here. And I think we live here a lot. And I don't want people to think that other people have what they actually have in themselves. Have you trusted Jesus to be your representative in front of holy God, then you're saved forever. 
forever you're saved, then why are you disquieted by soul? Why are you cast down, oh, my soul? Why do I feel like that it's all just a game, that I do my duties because it's supposed to, what I'm supposed to do? Why is my heart not thrilled? Why is there not erupting joy from my heart if I'm in front of the God who loves me and gave himself for me? Why is there something that feels like I'm waiting for something to happen? That, that is where we are in the psalm. And it's not the lowest psalm. This is not the darkest psalm. Let me read you the darkest psalm in the book. I don't know if you've read this. You almost have to read through the entire psalms to know these psalms because your grandmother didn't take you here to comfort you. I promise you. But in some ways it comforts me because I've been here before. Thank the Lord I'm not there at the moment, but I'm sure I'll be there again. And you might be here. And if you are here in Psalm 88, it's 100,000 miles before you can get to Psalm 42. I mean, you, you have to be where you actually are. But this is the end of Psalm 48, or 88, verse 14. Lord, why castest thou off my soul? Why hidest thou face thy face from me? I'm afflicted, and I'm ready to die from my youth up. While I suffer thy terrors, I'm distracted. Thy fierce wrath goes over me. Thy terrors have cut me off. They came round about me daily like water. They compassed me about altogether. Lover and friend thou hast put far from me, and my acquaintance is darkness. <laughs> That's amazing that that would be in the Bible. That that is where a person is. Lover and friend you've cast far from me, and my acquaintance is darkness. All I know is that I'm sitting here, I can see nothing, I can feel nothing, I'm numb to everything. It's almost like I'm dead. And it's worse than being dead because I feel that you are my enemy, that you've cast me away and that I'm gone and that I'm good as dead. And when I finally close my eyes in death, I'll go to hell. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. I pray that you never feel that way. I felt that way. I felt that way before, that God must have thrown me away. Otherwise, there'd be something different. I would be different than I am. I just want you to know that God has got you. If your trust is in Christ, he's got you. And it'll never be different. You're safe and safe. And he loves you forever, forever. But there are times that you can't see the sun because it rains every day in West Virginia. I know there's a sun because I was taught as a small boy that there's a sun shining all the time. But you have to remember, oh, yes, there's a sun shining because I've never seen it in the last three months. <laughs> it's exactly the same. There are times when you have to preach the gospel to yourself because you can't feel it in your heart. You can't feel it and you can't fake it because you've tried that too and it doesn't work. People laugh at you. So can you see that 42 and 43 really are one poem? There's a refrain. There's a chorus at the end of, the, of all three verses, why are you cast down on my soul and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. So I want you to, to see 
that in this psalm, the psalmist refuses to give up the fight. He absolutely is going to grab onto hope, and he is going to, with all of his might, force his way back, crawling back up the waterfall that he's just toppled off of. And he is using the only thing that's true, and that's God's true word that doesn't change, and it's not what we made up. We didn't make it up. If you make up your own religion and live by it, you're a fool who deserves whatever you get. But if you're holding on to the gospel that was before you were born and it will be after, after we're dust, and you're holding on to that, then that is not a fool's errand. That is not foolish. You hold on to it and you can pull yourself out of the dark. And it's God that's doing it. <clears throat> but you have, to, you have to do it the way the psalmist is doing it. And so we're going to look at the causes of spiritual depression and also the cure of spiritual depression. You have to recognize, too, that I'm not... I <coughs> know... I've heard people say, and um, I hate it, but I've heard people actually say it from the pulpits, that there is no real thing as depression. That depression is just something where you're not trusting God enough or something to where maybe it's a sin that's private or hidden or something that's festering and it's causing you to be depressed. And that if you, your heart was right with God, then you, would be, you wouldn't be depressed anymore. Um, I, don't, I don't agree with that. I believe that that there's all kinds of stuff in our world that shouldn't be there. And I don't know. I've had a tickle in my throat for two months, and I, I blame Canada. I don't know. I just think that there's things in this world that we suffer from just because we're in this world. And the, that people, other people have messed it up, and other, other uh, generations have messed it up, and we're dealing with it. And if you live on a, in, a, in a nuclear dump, then you're going to deal with the fact that you have to deal with those things, that other people have done something to you, and you have to deal with it. Well, I believe that we live in a fallen world, <clears throat> and I think there's lots of reasons. But I'll say publicly that I think you can have a clinical depression and be absolutely right with God in all ways. But I do think that they're tied together, and I think one can affect the other. And I think one can affect the other. So to be spiritually depressed is this idea of a, of a hopeless feeling of nothing that you can do except wait it out until your death to where God is now always angry with you and that there's nothing you can do. Now this is having trusted the Lord. Having trusted the Lord. Now if God is dealing with your soul for sins, then you go with him. He is your teacher. <clears throat> but if you've trusted the Lord and there is things, uh, balances or whatever, they can be treated. But so can this. This can be treated. Spiritual depression can be depleted. When I feel isolated and overwhelmed, and I don't want to be with you, and I'd rather stay on my couch, you have to look. If the, same, the same symptoms that would be true in your life or have been true in your life could be true in other people's lives. So... I, the very people who want to be left alone are the ones who are in the most misery, the ones who are in the most need for, the one, for what you can give them. So you, you just have to stay. You have to stay loving people, and you have to stay, um, you have to stay living in front of them the same, the same way. If you remember, we looked at two in our readings today. We looked at two of the greatest saints in the Bible 
both of them so despairing in life that they wanted to suicide themselves. I don't know if you can suicide yourself. They wanted to commit suicide. You had Elijah, who had just come up from the highest of the Old Testament. He called down fire from the sky, and fire came from the sky and consumed exactly like he prayed, and it happened just as he prayed. And then he leaves. He leaves, and Jezebel is mad and said, well, the gods do much more for me if you're not dead by tomorrow. So he runs, and he sits down under a tree and just said, God, kill me. Now, in some ways, you can almost laugh at that. There's a little bit of humor in that. Why would you go? God's just showing that he's working in your life. He's proved it to the whole world that he's working in your life. Why are you despairing of life so that you think you want to die? And Paul said, we are so, I don't want you to be ignorant. This is, this is the one Josie read. We were pressed out of measure and above strength. We did things that we shouldn't do that hurt us. We were, we were stressed out. And it wasn't just that we got better from it. We were past our ability to deal with it. So much that we even despaired of life. Oh God, take me to heaven. I don't want to play this game anymore. I'm too tired. This is Paul. Why would Paul want to do this? He knows that it's, it's, better, it's, it's better to be with Christ, but for your sakes I'm here because I have work to do. Well, it's because we're people. We're not supermen. We're people, and we're tired, and we're emotional, and we're a mess, and we're, we're not the way we're supposed to be, and we're not perfect. For that reason, God comes to us in our need. And Paul goes on in that passage to say, Ah, when I'm the most weakest, then you are the one that can take over. And then I can see you work, and I have the most confidence in you when I'm not trying to do it all. So it's a, there's, a healthy, there's a healthy kind of a, a balance between striving, we were talking about that in Sunday school, the idea of doing something, striving, and the idea of, of letting God catch you when you fall, but trying not to fall. Like, I want to go somewhere. I want to do something. I want to make this life of mine count. But there's times that, that you're in the dark and you can't tell it. I didn't even take you to Job because that's 46 chapters of that where he's just like, I don't understand. And I'm so, I would just rather dead, I'd be rather dead. Because at least if I'm dead, I'm with the Lord in peace. I'm resting in peace. I don't even like my life. It's a, I, I hate my life. That's Job. But yet Job where is known for his patience. Well, how do you get patience? God makes you endure this world and makes you want heaven. He, he weans us from this world. But while we're in that yearning, we're still focused upon the Lord. And we do that by preaching the gospel to ourselves. And we're going to see that that is how you get out of this. You, you, you tell yourself the truth, I guess, is how you do it. So let's look at this, at this together. This, we're going to start at 42. And I've skipped all the ones that give the solution. How about that? We're going to do all the causes first. So when, you skip, when I skip a verse, you know where the, where the cure is. All right, and then we'll come back and we'll do the we'll do the cure. So two parts. First one is uh, first two verses, forty-two, one and two. As the heart pants after the water brooks, so pants my soul after Thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Now, if you are skimming through your Bible 
and you come across verse 1 of, of Psalm 42, you can look and go, oh, I love God. I want to be with God. I love God. As the deer panteth for the water. That, that is not a low hymn. That is a, I love God and I want to be with God. And there's nothing wrong with that at all because that is an emotion that people have. Oh, I, I don't know if you've, I know I have in this month I have. Oh God, I just want you. I want to see your glory. I want to see you. I want you. I'm panting after you like a, like a, a, a deer on a salt lick. Licking the road. Have you ever seen deers lick the road? They're, they, don't, they just need something. And they're thirsty. And this is like a thirsty desert. And that deer's dry on the mouth and licking his, his chops, wanting water. And there's no water. And so when, if you keep going, you realize, ooh, the context of this wanting God is not so that I can be nice and devotional. What the context of this is, God's gone. He's gone. I don't see him. I'm in the dark. I don't see God. God is not, he's not a beacon where I'm walking through the dark woods and I can see the light on the porch. It's not that. I can't see him. I can't hear him. I can't feel him. I can't sense him. But yet I'm alone and I'm hurting and I'm sad and God's not around. It's that idea that the deer doesn't have any water. He doesn't, it's not a picture of a deer lapping the water that he found. It's a picture of a deer that's wanting water that's not there. Can you see that? There's a real sadness to that. He's panting, but it's not there. He's accusing God of being gone. But I want you. Because I remember. I remember loving this. And now I don't love it. It's, I'm dead. Somehow I'm dead and you're gone and you don't care. You've forgotten me. When shall I meet with God? Now, this is a, a psalm written by the sons of Korah. And the Korahites, I don't know if you remember Korah, led a rebellion and ended up the earth sucking him up. But his sons evidently were so grateful that they were not sucked up with, with Korah and his rebellion that they become the musicians. So if you go to the temple in Kings, as we're reading through Kings in Sunday school, it's the Korahites that will sing on the porch of the temple, and it's the choir. And they write the hymns and they sing the hymns. And this was written by one of the temple masters, one of the temple choir. And he is writing from somewhere else. He's not there. He's, writ he's in exile somewhere. He wants to be in Jerusalem at the temple where God's throne is. And he remembers fondly when it used to be, but he's somewhere else. He's, he's forced out. And he's like, when will I meet with God? When? He's absent. This is verse 3. My tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say to me, where is thy God? All I am eating for breakfast, lunch, and dinner are my own salty tears, and everybody's yapping at me that where's God now? You've been trusting him. Where is he? Obviously, you're a mess, and if your God is God, then I don't want him. So he's being... He's being having his face rubbed in the very fact that he is in misery. And he doesn't know why, and the other people are mocking him as a, as a way to get him back, I suppose, for whatever he's done. And it, it gets worse. He remembers back when it wasn't bad. And somehow, memory can really help you. And I'm going to tell you that remembering the feats of God, remembering the things that God has done in your life, will help you get out of this. 
really will. It will help you drag yourself out of this forest. But sometimes if you use memory wrong, memory can be worse than it is helpful because he remembers nostalgically back when he used to, to be loved by God. Do you see what he's doing? He's using his memory almost to, to repeat the lie that Satan's telling him in the first, first place, that he's, he's, uh, he's wallowing in the fact that it's not the same. This is verse 4. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with a multitude. I kept, up, I kept with them in the house of God with a voice of joy, with a multitude that kept holy day. And this is, the, this is the sons of Korah. He would have led the worship. He was the song leader that would have led in the worship as they all went into the temple on the holy day with a throng of people coming up with him. And he remembers what it felt like when God used to love him. He remembers when he loved his faith and he was vibrant and he was alive and now he feels like sawdust. He's dead. He just, he's like, where are you? Where are you? Don't read five yet. Five's the cure. Let's go on. Let's go to seven. Deep calls unto deep. Melissa, we were talking about this last night and she said, what in the world does that mean? Deep calls to deep. Like deep and deep and deep calls to deep. And I said, it's poetry. And she was like, oh, poetry. <laughs> the only thing I can say is there are parts of you so deep, whether that is deep joy, deep sorrow, deep something, the doldrums, you're, it's deep and it echoes somewhere. It resonates with something far away. That deep part of you is calling out to the deep part somewhere else. And there's a resonance, a resounding, a bell, that you feel like you're at the deepest part of your emotion and something is answering you back. There is something there as you pour out your heart to God that rings back to you. Because God could have been completely invisible to us. He could be so invisible that we would never even know that he existed. But he's the one who showed us about himself. He's the one who disclosed himself. He's the one who came to us. Emmanuel means God with us. We didn't go to God. God's idea was that we would be his people. And when you are calling out with the deepest part of you and all you can say is, Ugh, there is something that answers you back from the deep part of God that answers you back because Jesus went through everything you've ever gone through. He was in every way like you, only he didn't sin, and I've sinned every minute. He knows, and he cares. He knows and he cares. So deep calls to deep. And then it's, it's more accusation. Do you think God's okay with me accusing him? Because I've felt like accusing him before. And if it's not okay, then I'm going to be dragged off to hell because I have said why to God before. I have. Why? And the idea of I'm, in, I'm hurting and, I do, and I'm alone and I don't feel good and I don't want to play and I don't want to stand up or sit down and I don't want to lay down and I want to get up and I don't want to eat and I don't want to watch TV and I don't want to go out and play. It's, it's that idea. It's, it's accusing God. All your waves and your billows are gone over me. It's God's billows that feel like it's going over. That's Psalm 88. 
my lovers, my friends, you've taken away and all my acquaintances with darkness. There, there's a feeling there. That's actually a feeling. Look at verse 9. I will say unto God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, my enemy reproached me, while they daily say to me, where is your God? So they're taunting you. They're, 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 they're against you. They're ruining your life. And you don't even, okay, it's that idea. If, I'm a, if I have a, enemies coming in from outside, but yet God is with me and we're standing with God, I can, I can, there's nothing I could oppose. I could oppose you all. All of you could be against me. But when someone's against me and I don't even feel like God is with me, then I'm alone and everybody's too big for me. That's what he's saying. It's like a sword in my bones. They reproach me while they're still mocking me. Where's your God? And it's a vicious circle. I don't know if you can see the circle. I don't know. Deep going into your Oh, I'm not a psychologist and I don't play one on TV. Okay? This whole idea of, how, of trying to understand my daughters were sitting at the table last night talking about a stupid cartoon where they make a time machine and they go back. But he meets his self when, himself when he was an adult, but yet the kid. And, but he, she was like, how does that happen? Because that means, and she, for 25 minutes, she was trying to understand time travel. and like, it's a cartoon. It's a cartoon. But feeling abandoned by God can make you depressed. And then when you're oppressed, when you're depressed, you feel like God's abandoned you. It gets worse. You just you just follow your tail all the way down into the into the dungeon. That's what it feels like. This is verse one of, of forty three. Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against the ungodly nation, and deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. Vindicate me. I have been accused wrongly, and there's nothing I can do. Nothing I can do. They say that something happened that didn't happen, and I don't have any way to, I can't defend myself. And they have power against me. And I'm nothing, I'm just a person, and you're God, and you can see. Vindicate me, prove that I was innocent. It, what's happened now is there's a panic coming on you. You're, you've been accused, you, you're in trouble, and it's dangerous, and, it, and the, the stakes are as high as they can possibly be. And I know you've suffered this. I know it. I know there's been times that people have said that happened and it didn't happen. And only God can prove it right. And there's nothing you can do except pour out your heart and suddenly you're, would you not be depressed? Would that not cause depression? Would it not cause depression when the doctor says cancer? Does that not cause depression? Does it not cause depression when they call you at 10 o'clock the day before you were to start work and say they got someone else? And now you, have, you don't have a job for a year? That happened to me for a year. I didn't have a job for a year. And I stood out in the rain and told God, what? Okay, fine, all right, we had a little bit of savings. Now the savings are gone, what? And I have no job and I have nowhere to go and what am I going to do? watch television, there's nothing in you except that you pull out to the only one that can help you. It's, it's strange because God is the one that's going to help you, but you somehow feel that God could have done something if he wanted to. If he wanted to, 
you didn't have cancer. If he wanted to, you would have had your job. If he'd have wanted to, she wouldn't have left. That, that somehow feels like you're blaming God for it. Because in the deep part of your sinful self, you do. You blame God. Why would you let them say that when it didn't happen? How do I prove my vindication? Vindicate me. Prove me innocent. This is a person who's frantic. He's frantic because he doesn't know what to do. Now, this list could go on. Every one of us could come up with things to put on this list. What could make your soul feel dry? What could be in our life, in this fallen world, that would not make me feel that God is not good to me because I didn't get everything I wanted all the time? Because that's what a sinner does. A sinner accuses like a little bratty child accusing someone who truly loves them. And I don't know how many teenager girls have told their mother, blah, 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 blah. All right? And I hear about it at school. No kidding. Like, don't talk about your mother in school. It's like, why did you tell me that? Don't tell me that. I don't want to know. It's this idea that they don't know that they're loved. And so they're reaching out against the only one that loves them and, and acting like a, a little child. And that's what happens. And we do the same. And God is big enough to be our parent. And he treats us kindly according to the gospel that's already been done for us. So when I look at myself, I say, Brian, you don't know the gospel enough. If you knew the gospel, the gospel's firm. The gospel is a floor. The covenant is firm. I can know that Jesus loves me. He died for me. I know that God has me as his own, as his treasure. I know he loves me. I do not have to feel it all the time. I am not five years old. I know how to be an adult. And I know that God has reared us up as mature people. And we have to preach the gospel to ourselves. That's what it is, because your mind will go wonky. So I, you add to the list, add to the list, add to the list. We could think of a thousand things. Now, I wrote, you must, it, or whatever these list is, must be treated biblically. You have to go with them biblically. Otherwise, it's just, uh, it's like a self-psychiatry, which is silly. Can't cure yourself. But you, you look at it. So if you do have unresolved sin, if there's sin that you've never confessed, don't be surprised that you're eaten up from the inside. God's doing that. He's doing that to you in mercy. Psalm 32 that we looked at last summer said, When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all day and night. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I'm just drying up. This was, this was David who didn't want to say that he had killed a man so that he could take his wife. And he was silent about it. He didn't want to confess it. And God basically just dried him up from the inside. That's not spiritual depression. That's, that's discipline. There is a difference. And if you are in a, in a down state, you say, first thing, have I done something? Have I done something that needs to be confessed? And you search yourself. You confess those things that are true. True, do that. And if you're questioning your faith, if you're grappling with theology, if you're grappling with philosophy, I don't even know what that means, but if you're, if you're having doubts, God's big enough to deal with your doubts. He's big enough. He's God. He can prove that he's God to you. You're a kid. You're made of dirt. You know how. If you go to God, God is big enough to convince you who he is. I wrote down Mark 9. Straightway the father cried out, I believe. Help my unbelief. I, unbe I believe enough to tell you to please help me because I don't believe enough. 
there is a circle for you too. I wrote down also Jude 22. I, don't, did, I didn't do it in the King James because the word is different. Be merciful to those who doubt. That's, that's e, e, ESV. The ones who are doubting, don't slap them. Oh, I, I doubt, I doubt, I doubt. No, don't slap them. Jesus died for them. You preach the gospel to them and you love them. Don't you condemn them as, as you're wrestling? Otherwise, we're just a bunch of lemmings that follow each other off the cliff. No, this is something that's true and rock. This is a rock that you can stand on. And as you're struggling with it, as you're going through it, we help you. We help you. All you can do is your testimony, and all you can do is keep going back to the scriptures that can help you. Uh, help you. If you've lost the dearest person that's ever lived in your life, if you've lost them, the Lord is nigh to them with a broken spirit. That'll make you depressed. He's gone. She's gone. She was my life. She was all I ever wanted, and she's gone. Now he's gone. God, God, do that. When you're isolated, let us provoke each other to love and good works, not forsaking the assemblings, as some do. Pull them up. Hug them out. Love them till they can't stand it anymore. That's how you, how you do it. And all the others. And don't forget we have an enemy <coughs> who's after us that will drink you down like a, like a lion. And the world has a bunch of false cures. I've got a relative who spends 40 weeks a year on a cruise ship. And there was a girl I went to college with that had no money at all, and she went shopping every day because she was depressed all the time. I don't know where she got the money. I think she was spending credit cards. But she, it was called shopping therapy. She said, I'm going to my therapist, which meant that she was going to the, to the store. And she was going to spend money that she didn't have to make her feel better for 10 seconds. <clears throat> don't follow those. That's not how you do it. You go to the scriptures. You examine and you preach to yourself. This is... This is the cure. You want to hear the cure? Go to verse 5. We're back in 42. Why are you cast down? Why are you disquieted? Hope in God. I shall yet praise him. Do you see that? I'm not praising you now, God. But I know that I will praise you. You've given me the faith to know that there will be a time that you've got me forever. And I'm not going to feel like I am for right now. You've got me. I will hope in you. You are the hope of I will praise you for the help of my countenance. His countenance, his face helps me. As I seek his face, it helps me. As I seek God's face, I, my face starts to shine. Oh my God, my soul is cast down. Therefore, I will remember thee from the land of Jordan, from my exile, from where I can't feel it and don't say it. I'm going to call out to you. That's a decision that you make. You decide that. You say, I can't change my life, I'm going to call out to God. I can call out to God at least. And that's all God wants. He grabs you and takes you. The Spirit teaches you to hope. He teaches you that there's more reason to hope than to despair. That's the Holy Spirit working you because greater is He that's in you than is He that's in the world. Now, I love 5.11 and 5 of the verse. It's the same, it's the same chorus. Look at the difference. Look at 5. This is 42.5. I will yet praise him for the help of thy countenance. God's face makes my faith, helps me. Okay? Looking at your face, when I even try to see it, I, it helps me. Then 11, where he repeats it the seven times. 
Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you disquieted? I will hope you in God, for I will yet praise him. Who is the health of my countenance? Now it's my countenance that I'm talking about. My face is starting to shine because your face shined. Your shining face makes my face shine as I look at you, as I feel, as I look towards you. Even blindly, I can do that. And then, this is interesting, the health of my countenance and my God. You're telling yourself the truth. You're telling you the truth. And this is verse 8. This is back to 42. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and his night, his song shall be with me, and my prayer unto the God of my life. In the daytime, when there's the slightest bit of light, his love is there. And when it's nighttime, he sings over me. He sings. You say, I'm going to listen for that song. If he's singing, I should be able to hear it. And you, with all your strain, you strain to hear what he said is true. And that in itself will pull you out. And then this is 3 and 4 and 43. Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me into your holy hill, into your tabernacles. Then will I go to the altar unto my God exceeding joy. Don't worry about your emotions. Your emotions will follow. Your faith is solid. Your emotions are wobbly. Your emotions are jello and your faith is a plate. And that is what I want to remember. My faith has to be solid because my life is like this. And if, I, if you're depending upon your feelings, you're in for a disappointment, which makes you depressed. And then the depression makes you depressed. So you crawl out, and you crawl out by pulling on rocks that never move, and his word never moves. Love each other. Help each other. Pray for each other. Pray for me. I'll pray for you. That's how you do it.